Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. From the realms of Middle-earth to the shores of the Undyne Lands, this is Casually Talk. And we are here to look at Rings of Power, Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power, Amazon Prime's new show. The first two episodes dropped last night, and uh, for us at least, it could be 2 a.m. wherever you are. We're going to have a lot of fun diving in. Uh, this is going to be a lot of fun because for me, Cat Napsock, it's familiar territory that I don't necessarily always know my way around. So I'm watching it a little differently, which means I need help. I need a fellowship. We've got one today, Alden Diaz and Rachel Cushing Levine. I'm trying not to call you Crusher because that's another life. <laughs> it's another yeah. life. A that's different age. Yeah. <laughs> Which is one of the themes. Uh, we are going to get into these episodes today. Episode one, A Shadow of the Past, directed by Jay Bayonia. And writers J.D. Payne and Patrick McKay, who are also uh, showrunners, that, that word gets thrown around a lot. And it's a real title and, and position of power and responsibility, but we are in a show showrunner culture where we obsessed with those uh, at the top of the show. There's also a bunch of writers and everyone else involved. Uh, episode two was Adrift. Uh, again, J.A. Bayonia directing it and Jennifer Hutchinson, Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, among other things, the writer of this episode. Uh, we are going to get into a lot of stuff, the themes. We normally do that, the big moments, and we've got some other stuff, stuff to discuss. And yes, lore will come into play. And I didn't want to just say up top, uh, Tolkien is uh, the this legendary writer without a doubt, right? That's why we're here. And this show is both exploring, uh, celebrating, but also trying to do do new things with that world because they kind of have to at times and maybe because they want to. We're going to discuss all that stuff here. Lore will factor into it. One thing we want to say up top, uh, the gatekeeping that sometimes lore can be is not something we're here for and you're going to hear a lot of it uh rachel's got some great wonderful thoughts and questions about the lore so we'll set that up top also you know uh the, the idea of uh, the diversity of the cast if that's a problem with you this might not be the podcast vodcast or even the show for you to watch uh we are here to celebrate to this wonderful cast and crew and also there's this thing up top and i apologize for monologuing up top but we are here on Castly talk it's a game of thrones song of ice and fire house of dragon podcast and i wanted to do rings of power because i love this world i love lord of the rings i love those movies yeah I heard, I heard they made some books of them. Uh, we were here. We want to take a look at this show. Uh, we're never here to compare the shows. Occasionally, you might make a reference each show. But for me, this competition that uh, a lot of people are putting the shows in against the wills of anyone involved with the shows, by the way, is pointless. It's like comparing pancakes to an omelet. They're both on the breakfast menu. We are just going to enjoy breakfast. All right. Or maybe you throw a French toast in there as well. Second breakfast. Oh, I get that reference. I really do. <laughs> Rachel, uh, Alden and I really do want to start with you. Uh, we're all recording this on um, 
uh, our own time schedules today. So we, we might not have a, a super long show today, even though this is two wonderfully uh, long episodes, over two hours of content. But Rachel, we do need to start with you. You are, and I say this with affection towards you, a, a Tolkien lore head. Uh, that can sometimes be an insult. Or sometimes I throw it like a fast football. But you love this world. You know this world. You are like many, many, many people who've lived with this property for a long time. This show is both something you've been excited for and also, I don't know, curious at best, dubious at worst about what they can do. I want to pitch it to you first after these first two episodes. How are you feeling? Big questions. What are your thoughts? It's a big mix of emotions still uh, about a day after having seen them. But the bottom line for me is that I have to come at the show. Well, I inevitably come at the show from two different perspectives. One as the lore head, as a person who doesn't have a memory in her life that doesn't include Tolkien. My parents were reading these books to me and my sister when we were very young. I've grown up with them. My family has about 15 Lord of the Rings and Tolkien uh, related tattoos between the four of us. You've all seen me cosplay as Lady Galadriel. So this has been a huge part of my life. It's my favorite books. They're some of my favorite films. Um, So this is coming from a very, very personal place to see another story from Tolkien's beautiful, beautiful, fantastical brain um, be brought to us. At the same time, I want to, especially on these shows that I, when I talk to you guys, come at it from the perspective of just what is it that we watched and did it work in and of itself? Um, so I'm going to attempt to balance that. Uh, good luck to me. <laughs> <laughs> Won't always be easy um, because it, it's, it's just such a, a mix. And then, you know, not because we want to make it more complicated. We have the monkey wrench of what this show was allowed to include so many people have talked about what the Tolkien estate has agreed to allow the um, showrunners Mm -hmm. to include and what they can't include Uh, there's a lot of pieces that I feel are missing but it might be because they are not allowed to include them and so they're trying to find their ways around that at the end of the day what the estate granted the rights to was a handful of pages in the appendices from Lord of the Rings. They do not have yeah. the rights to the Silmarillion. So that complicated, I'm sure, what they were doing. And for me, knowing those works so well and knowing these characters, several of these characters so well, there were some jarring moments of mm. that's very different than mm. what was going on in the books. The books are vague, and that's also a piece of it. They are able to fill in and I think that's what they what drew them to doing this show, too, is that we have bullet points. We have these things mm-hmm. happen in the Second Age. These characters are involved. Obviously, many other people were involved. Obviously, there were smaller moments that led to these big moments. And that's what these creators are filling in. Um, and mm-hmm. they did have a mandate that they could not contradict anything that Tolkien mm-hmm. wrote in the sense. So it's not so, you know, we're not going to see Galadriel or Elrond die in any of these seasons because we know they exist 3000 years later in the Lord of the Rings. Um, mm-hmm. And certain other things will also, you know, have to be adhered to. But it's a large mm-hmm. sandbox. Um, and coming out of the gate with these first two episodes, I'd say I liked a lot of it. Loved a couple things, 
and a few things left me with some questions. So that was a great, great start. No, and I think you, you probably represent a, a, a lot of fans in this in this world. And, and yes, again, here's one reference to it: uh, going looking across the Song of Ice and Fire. Sometimes when you just, it's not a case of you know too much. You're just in this world, and you can either fill in the blanks of oh, this was this is what that means, or hey, where is that? And and I think uh, this is such a. a you know, such a, a, a show that was highly anticipated, but uh, yeah, absolutely. Right from the beginning, you hear a beloved uh, tale. It's going to get some sort of adaptation and that can go horribly wrong. That can go horribly wrong and you can have a lot of questions. And I think it's uh, I think you're coming from a very honest spot that's probably shared by a lot of people. I'm on this other side of like, all right, cool. I, I Yep, I know those movies more than anything, more than anything else in this world. Have some questions myself, but it's more of those, let me uh, dig into a wiki and find out and kind of uh, take the show in a different way. And I think it, I think we need to have that balance when discussing it there. So I think, uh, I don't know, Alden, uh, I won't speak for you. Maybe you want everything to the letter of the law here, but uh, that's one. Yeah, fr- frank, frankly, not including uh, Ungoliant the Giant Spider, show that they don't care. In my opinion, <laughs> they don't care. It's another two guys with no experience ruining a lore. Uh, a pair of white dudes writing, and I'm done with it. No, I, I, I think that you know everything you said, Rachel, is so. I think not only like important, but just I think relevant specifically in a, in a weird way to the text, uh, to the scripts rather, not the text, but to the show. Like you have Galadriel in this, and we'll get to her later, of course, but talking about, well, you're all saying this, but what about what's in here? You're just going to let me carry it? And she's having that battle about what she knows that no one else knows. And so are you, which is an interesting, it's an interesting thing uh, that we all are faced with that. You know, I grew up a huge reader of like Marvel comics and I went into Iron Man knowing Iron Man as a kid backwards and forwards, Marvel encyclopedias that I would carry to school and all that stuff. And suddenly you're like, oh, they're doing this. And it just sort of forces you to get on board or not. And you can you can choose, by the way, you can choose or not with zero malice, which I think is another thing that people on the internet forget is that you can say, I wish it was the way that I remember, not for me, and just move on with your life. But at the same time, uh, a lot of people aren't going to choose to do that. So I think it's important to have these conversations. I'm more so more so experience-wise in your camp, Ken, of I came up on these as films. Um, and then, I, you know, in The Hobbit, when I was more in high school and everything, uh, I read The Hobbit as a child, read The Lord of the Rings probably in middle school, uh, I think attempted the Silmarillion in eighth grade and then was like, this is like church. Uh, and then just <laughs> didn't go back to it for for a while. But I probably will now. Um, but I was, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was moved by a lot of this. It just made me feel really warm. It's doing that legal dance like we've talked about. Of, we talked a little mm-hmm. bit off air of like, we can have this character, but maybe we just don't say his name, which if you're a Star Wars fan, you're used to that. You're used to people being named way after the fact in toys and in text. But there are they're things called, that... They're called Ewoks, apparently? Exactly. <laughs> what is that? His name was not Hammerhead. It was Momo <laughs> Madoff. Uh, but they had there was a there was a similar cinematic language, a similar visual language. It has a lot of the, it has a foot in the same realm of that art that would inform Jackson's six films and is informing this. When you see the glimpse of Sauron, you're like, that's in the exact same design spirit. It's it's not legally actionable, but it is in the exact same design spirit. He's that's just the guy. In life and. Yeah. And, yeah. and they took a lot of that where I, this Gilgalad feels like a Peter Jackson character. And there are things like that that I think are 
we're going to throw a lot of new at you, but we're also going to come for you. There's tons of people online right now saying that are movie fans saying, I feel like I'm back, which is a very, I think, big achievement considering how daunting this was. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Daunting indeed. We're going to dive into some stuff here. I do want to uh, look at, uh, before anything, we're going to obviously do our, our big dives. So I want to talk about the look, the feel, the vibes, those kind of things, Rachel. We'll get to that in a second. But episode one, I, I'm not going to do a full summary of what we got going on here, but I just look at it thematically. It's a season of change is upon you. A season of change is upon us. This is this transition from the first to second age. Again, not going down to the, the minutia, down of details but in general and this big question of what do you bring with you what parts of the past do you let go uh change uh, a big thing going on here and then episode two i just kind of looked as literally a drift in a sea of change and a lot more uh we're going to talk about uh, the cultural exchanges they also the distancing of the cultures which comes up a lot in especially the second episode but i think they've done a great job with all that and the battle of good versus evil that's key that's key to these stories we love those big myths but rachel looking at you talking about the look the feel the vibes the music uh bear mccreary howard shore we got a lot a lot of stuff going on there uh take me through your thoughts on uh, just the overall feel and look of the show yeah i mean as many people have already said the, the money's on the screen they they yeah. you know spared no expense um on making sure that the set design and the production and the special effects um were cinematic for a television show and i can't say i've you know ever seen anything quite to this level um on a television show which is definitely a testament to all of the artists involved in bringing the world back to life for us Mm -hmm. um costumes were great a lot of great homages to lord of the rings but again trying to be its own thing it's like all kinds of prequels and sequels that exist, you know, Mm -hmm. putting your own stamp on it, but making sure it all feels part of the same world. Um, They have a little more leeway in this because it is 3000 years prior to the events. So I did, I'm sorry, I can't give credit, but I did read a quote or a tweet or something somewhere that was like, that's like comparing our modern day age with like Rome. So, Mm -hmm. you know, these are, very very largely separated periods so within that you can do very different things and i have heard a lot of like kind of grumbling of like how is this galadriel going to become the galadriel that we know in the lord of the rings who is definitely not a physical warrior is definitely not you know part of the fellowship at the forefront of going up against sauron who she states in this show is her you know number one revenge focus 
like yeah. to the detriment of all else. To which I basically say 3000 years, you know, like yeah, a yeah. lot will happen. And I think the idea that they're going for here is to take this character and say, we'll get her there. This is the story of how she gets there. And I'm intrigued by that. I think some of the writing was tough. I think spending so much of the first hour on her might not have been the best use of time. Um, just generally speaking, I felt that the first episode didn't have its footing in terms of trying to introduce all of the ideas that they wanted to. The second episode gets much better. I actually think some of the things that they introduced in the second episode should have been introduced in the first episode, but mm -hmm. that's also me, the editor talking and, you know, understanding that they are juggling so many characters in so many realms and introducing so many things that, you know, I understand off the bat because I know the history, but not everybody does. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, that's kind of like where I was landing in general. But, you know, I do think that the feel is close to right. Like they're, they're almost there. And I am not going to, you know, shut the door yet because I do know that where we're going could still be very interesting. And I think they'll find their footing a little bit more. You're not you're not leaving a breakfast table. I like that. I like that. I like that. Um, uh, what, what do you the choice to focus on uh, Galadriel uh, in the first episode a lot? I mean, it, it, I, that's a great question. I have to to kick kick back to you there because I I came came out of the episode kind of feeling as though she's positioned in the number one chair, so to speak, on this show. It's not necessarily going to be how it, it, it goes in the end. Uh, you got some big players here. Elrond himself uh, is, is uh, got a lot of uh, thought to do in this world going forward still. So, uh, and, and um, you know, we're in a lot of characters that are show only now, right? We're seeing a, a lot of creations for the show. So, yeah, I, um, I, I yeah, curious about your take on that. About uh, what else would you? What would have you? Would have uh, slid into the spotlight a little bit more along with her in, in episode one. I think I would have gotten to Celebrimbor faster. Um, and well, yeah, also, I, don't, I don't like I that guy. <laughs> yeah, but the scene between Celebrimbor <laughs> and Elrond in Eregion in the yeah. beginning of the second episode has so much more to do with what this series is about that I was surprised okay. it yeah. came in the second episode. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like the juxtaposition of a Gilgalad, a Galadriel, a Elrond, and a Celebrimbor, and then Arondir to a certain extent too. The show was attempting to do what I wanted it to do, which was show the differences amongst the elves. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. they're, they're they're playing a little fast and loose, basically saying that Gilgalad is high king over everybody, which is not necessarily the case. Arondir is a right. sylvan elf. There's a difference there and everything else. But I was hoping we would see the differences of the different houses of elves and the different backgrounds. I mean, in one of those little lore things, like, you know, Galadriel outranks Gilgalad by a lot in the books. And this right. has flipped that script, really? which I find interesting. But I yeah. think, again, I think I understand the adaptation and the idea of trying to take her character from this single-visioned, one-focus, right. revenge, revenge, revenge at the cost of all else to becoming somebody that is more of a leader, who is a little more nuanced, who understands that mm -hmm. there's more to this world. I, I do see that that's what we're doing. But what I felt in the first episode was that she's one note through the whole thing. You get it. You get what she's doing. She has that good conversation with her and Elrond about the how come I don't feel it in here. But mm -hmm. I feel like that could have come maybe a little earlier. You could have had scenes combined. You could have 
gotten what you got across about her without that much time spent on her because she is mm. very one dimensional that whole time. She's mm, very cold, very almost unlikable. Like I didn't find myself like drawn to her quite yet. It, it's, mm. you know, it, it, it just, there was something the, there was not any warmth. There wasn't enough warmth, I should say. And there wasn't yeah. enough like context, yeah. you know, cause I like her, her elves, her, her, um, expedition party like refusing to follow her Mm. i feel like they could have done that a little bit better in terms of why wouldn't they if they were young elves if they had been born in middle earth and not known the war of wrath then that little tidbit would have helped explain why they wouldn't have continued Mm -hmm. but if they were elves of the first age like she was they would have gone to the ends of the earth and dug right. their nails in like she was because the war of the wrath was bigger than her brother. Like yeah. what it did to the elves cannot be stated. It introduced them to the idea of death, which is huge, right. especially mm-hmm. to um, immortal beings. And I feel like the gravitas and the feeling of all of that wasn't landing as hard as I think it should have. And if it had, it would have helped explain where she's coming from versus Elrond, who was born in Middle Earth. He was ne- he's never seen Valinor. Gilgalad has never seen Val- Valinor. He was born there, Arendir. So there is a disconnect in yeah. a way. And I don't think that was spelled out as much as I wish that it had. Um, mm. But, you know, again, I think some tidbits could come out later that could help with that. Like, like they're not going to reveal everything. Like there's stuff about Elrond, like specifically about his background and what he is. Like they say, he's not a high Lord. Yeah. You can't come to the meeting because it's elf Lords only. I thought that was so interesting. Cause I was like, Mm -hmm. Oh, is this a, you know, I don't want to spoil things, but is this a race thing? Is this a, you know, it's, it's a division within the elves and he is a pared hell, which again, I don't know if they can use the word. (laughs) <laughs> in in yeah, this, right. but but they can they can explain what his background is, and I think they're waiting to do that, and that will help inform all the stuff that we're seeing of him. Somebody who has to rely on his wits and his intelligence to make himself useful, and the fact that Gilgalad has him as his herald, which is an important position, but not a super high position, and seeing Elrond find ways to you know get his way up there because he's he would be a good leader. This is about both him and Gladriel turning into the leaders we know that they've become in the third age in the Lord of the Rings. And I think mm. that Elrond's journey through these first two episodes makes that clearer than hers. Hers is very, meh, until she jumps off the boat and meets Halbrand mm. and all of that. Then you start to see, okay, maybe, I just wish that had come sooner. Right. It almost makes me wonder, as you were saying all that, which was like so beautifully said, and now I want the Rachel Cushing Levine commentary series uh, (laughs) on the episodes as they come out. And that's what I want the next day. Um, But the the idea that she outranks Gilgalad in the books and how that and and like you said, by a ton, by by an age. Yeah, like like seeing (laughs) things. And from a royal house. So fathom. Yeah. yeah. It almost makes me wonder if the point that they want to make, and this will be on the scripts for later to do or not is you could have been in Gilgalad's spot if you weren't single you You forsook your right as queen or whatever Um, so who knows what they'll do there but yeah i love the uh i love what you were saying about the the difference between elrond and gladriel and their approaches because i i think i maybe was more drawn to her in this one than you were but that's with a, a you know a different 
frame of reference, of course. So I I, I loved the uh, the selective warmth, with the way that she does change when she's with Elrond and how he can break through that. I thought was really effective, and I think that the overall point that I'm getting to is that I think that this cast is just so money um, across both of them, original characters and new characters. I think that the the dinner scene in episode two of Elrond and Durin and Disa and their and their two kids two episodes is yeah that's that's a scene with Durin and Disa and Elrond was exactly what I wanted the show to be it's so beautiful it's so like the same reason why I know I fell in love with the the fellowship or with uh, Thorin's company is because there's dynamics that are just human dynamics no matter what species they are and the idea of all of this this pomp and circumstance of this big tradition and this test and all of this stuff and this shaming you in front of all the other dwarves is because you hurt my feelings like that's really what it is i thought we were i thought you were we were bros um i thought that that was so relatable i found this to be a very relatable show which contrasted well with how inaccessible it maybe could have been so Ken's dead now, so I'm just going to. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, he's. He he, yeah. yeah, Ken mid conversation was like, you know what? I hear the call. I'm leaving. Um, but yeah, so I, I I think that that was some of the most effective stuff in in the entire thing was sort of those interpersonal dynamics and with you know something like Arandir and Bronwyn, which is original material and Arandir like being a, a whole cloth character but still filling a role. Like, to my understanding, and you can correct me and fill this in, there was the whole, let's keep an eye on the people that followed Morgoth and their descendants, but there wasn't a eyes-in character for that until now. Yeah, I mean, there's... The Second Age is thousands of years long, and like I said, in the appendices, it's like three pages. (laughs) And it's just a bullet point of dates, essentially. So... But we do know that, you know, most men followed uh, Morgoth in the First mm-hmm. Age. The three Edain houses didn't. They were fr- elf friends, and they're the ultimate, you know, ancestors to Aragorn and, and the Dunedain and everything right. else. But most didn't. Um, and so they, the show, rightly in my mind, has to show that side of things. And now that Sauron has been out of action or missing for so many years, you know, what does, do those people, what are they doing? What are they exhibiting? Like, are there hangers on? Are they still remembering? Mm -hmm. Are they, you know, evolving and getting better? Like, cause Bronwyn seems like a, a a good person, a good hearted person. And some of the other villagers do too. So I, I think that having that perspective is, is very important. Again, you know, one of the things that Tolkien did and that the show is attempting to do is show the different, you know, it's not just a race of men. There are different groups. And when we yeah. meet the Numenorians, you're going to see the contrast. And then there's different groups of elves. And at, at a certain times there were dwarves too. But like, so the idea is to juxtapose all of these things. And yeah. I think that showing... Bronwyn's village and showing, you know, the 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 undercurrents of the the evil that Morgoth wrought for those people. I mean, he did it out of fear. He 
scared them into following him and he tortured yeah. them and, and, and everything else and lied to them. So, you Absolutely. know, to have that undercurrent and then the, the literal, like it's burrowing underneath their, their village. Yeah. You know? yeah. Or in, and under the farm house is, yeah. the, is this a Morgul blade? Is it a proto Morgul blade of some kind? Because of, right. they don't have the nine yet, but it's the, exactly. yeah. the idea of every storyline here, which fascinated me is that every storyline is united by the common theme of, do you have the capacity for change? And that is, that's present in Galadriel's, present in uh, the, the, the entire Elven, you know, arcs of storylines, the whole, that whole grouping, the Harfoot grouping, the human grouping. And in the Harfoots, I mean, in the, the human grouping, you have people like Bronwyn that are, they're, they're, they're almost, they're made uncomfortable and sad by the fact that what she says, like, there are good people in that town. Like, we had right. nothing to do with that. There are people that are made angry by the fact that they are being still watched. And then there are people that possibly still follow question mark, because we know that this thing was under the farm. So it's like, how do we take one droplet of a thing from the past and see every reaction to that thing? Mm -hmm. And even in Harfoots, another storyline, which is like, you know, filled with original characters uh, like Nori, we get to see like they are, they're reacting to the world around them. And that's their whole existence is reacting to the world around them. And right, and how the they get to they're driven by the fact that they don't interfere with the world around them. They stay on yeah. their trail, you know, yeah. and they have each other and everything else. But much like, I mean, that that's a that's not only are they the ancestors to the hobbits, but that's a direct through line for the the way that they view the world, which yeah. is we have our stuff. We we focus on each other. We have each other's backs. We love the land. We love you know. The nature and camaraderie and friendship and, and all the simple things in life. So mm -hmm. like it's, it's drawing direct parallels. And, you know, I think that some of it works and some of it isn't quite there yet. But again, I just feel like you have to do so much in one, two hours yeah. to, to make all of these things land. And like the charm of Hobbiton, the first time you see it in fellowship of the ring and the hobbits and the music and everything else. I didn't quite feel it with the Harfoots, but the more I got to know Nori, the more I was feeling it and understanding mm -hmm. it and everything else. And it's high fantasy, whether you like it or not, like all of right. this is. And so there are archetypes and Tolkien is honestly the father of fantasy. So in some ways he created the archetypes, but also he was undermining his own ideas all the time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this show is, again, trying to find the balance of that. And that's why I struggled a little bit with Galadriel, because it seemed one note, revenge, you right. know, right out of the gate. And there wasn't a, as much nuance, especially, again, me knowing what exists in the books, but again, not knowing if they can play it or not. Yeah. And that but makes me not. wonder almost if somebody, I know the whole, like, let's release two, or with Andor, let's release three, is a very, is a great, is a business move for retention stats and things like that, but. My guess is, I think they, that. They were like, they, this is a two-part pilot. They realized that, <laughs> yeah, for the uh, first episode on its own, I, I, I mean, pretty much most people that I have talked to have been like, some were like good. I didn't say hear anybody who say it was like super great and amazing and exactly everything that they wanted. I'm not saying that they're not out there, but like in my circles and, and people that um, you know I know that love Tolkien and, and everything else. But it was the second episode that really grabbed a lot of people, I think. Yeah. Um, and uh, because some of the, the ideas in episode two were the ideas of the show, like again, like the fact that we didn't meet Celebrimbor or talk about Feanor. 
mm-hmm. until the second episode was strange yeah. to me. Uh, but again, that's because I know what I know. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting. But at the same time, like I said, like there is so much promise that I saw in the first two episodes that makes me feel like there is a lot more to explore. And now that even if they kind of didn't do a great job assembling the foundation, it's assembled. We get it. Like Sauron's on the move back. Certain people saw it coming. Others didn't. They're about to get surprised. Like, how do we all come together with that in mind, especially with everybody's individual baggages? Halbrand is a new character. Clearly he, I mean, I'm assuming he's a, a, um, you know, a man from one of those Southland villages that went bad in some way, shape, or form, and he he blames himself or something happened, and and he's sort of a little bit on the run with that. Um, so he's got his baggage. Galadriel's got her baggage. So I feel like their yeah. story is going to be interesting in that way. You know, the Harfoots. You know, do we get involved in the world? Like, what is the deal with the stranger? You know, there's there is a lot there that I'm like <laughs> very interested to come. Rachel, back to. is it Gandalf is or not, Gandalf? Rachel? <laughs> Rachel, I brought, you're here to tell us who he is. No, I'm um, uh, I'm, I'm fairly certain it's Amaya, which if you know for for, for the the the, the non lore heads, um, it is in the uh, appendices enough that they could include this, I believe. Um, Valinor is ruled over by two sets of deities or angels, some people call them, the Valar and the Maiar. The Valar are a lot more powerful and overseeing. The Maiar are just a little bit less powerful. Uh, Sauron was originally a Maya. Um, all the wizards, uh, Saruman, the blue wizards, Radagast, Gandalf, they were all Maya sent to Middle-earth in human form. The thing is, they're not sent to Middle-earth until the Third Age. This is the right. Second Age. Right. So that's, people are sort of debating if they're going to find a way that around that. That becomes the condensing issue of like, they threw around that vague condensing setup. Right. But that, cool. that's, that's different ages. I don't yeah. know if we can do that's that. That's huge. Again, that would they're be huge. definitely condensing the Second Age, by far. Yeah. That is yeah. very clear to those of us that know the timetable. But, yeah. um, uh, the Balrogs were Maya before they were corrupted by Morgoth. Yeah. So and they um, led with that in the trailer. They were like, yes. "Oh, we're, oh, we're that, going there." That, yeah, that that is very so, enjoy so actually, Khazad Doom as it is now. <laughs> yeah, that's actually kind of my favorite theory. Although that again, the timeline's not quite right. Is that mm. the Stranger will become the Balrog that ultimately Ooh, wow. decimates Khazad Doom? Uh, oops, excuse me, my mic went down. Um, uh, wow, that's that would be so heartbreaking. That, it definitely would. <laughs> with Nori, oh my god, that would be terrible. I, I was talking about it with a few friends last night. Lots of Gandalf, lots of well, Saruman because he would have been the senior, and lots of stuff like that. And then it then it dawned on me that they could take a hail mary that would be like a twenty year payoff to the Jackson days, and would probably piss a lot of people off, but also might intrigue people. Is the stranger Tom Bombadil? Okay, that was one of the first things that hit my head. I'm not even like I saw. Yeah. Like, like how big he was in the beard and everything else. I know most yeah. people, movie lovers, probably mm-hmm. Gandalf. My mind immediately right. went to Tom Bombadil. <laughs> I, 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 it was hard to not go Gandalf, especially talking to insects. But mm-hmm. then I thought about it and I was like, no, no, no. Too far down, too far down. And then I was texting a buddy of mine uh, named Goose from the Try It Out of the Force podcast. And I said to him, could it be Tom? Because he's got famously the most ambiguous origins famously been around an ambiguous amount of time. I mean, I know he's supposed to be a first age guy mm-hmm. loosely um, of possibly the first 
ever, man. Right. Um, but, you know, if they bump that up a little bit into the second, that would be a less drastic thing than pulling a wizard fo- uh, back in the timeline. And it's like he's in the right area where Tom will eventually kind of settle, like Shire adjacent. Um, and so that was just an interesting thing. Like you have somebody that is probably like the biggest iconic character that is also in the blank slate category of right. being able to mess with. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually really excited about it because this is definitively an area where it could theory, theoretically be any of these things. Yeah. Um, and that that's going to be kind of a lot of fun to right. talk about amongst lore heads and non, you know, just the idea, because basically for the story, it represents change. As Ken was saying, that is a, a massive theme in the episode and is, you know, can people change? Will they pe- will people change, as you were saying? And the idea of um, should you change? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, absolutely. That, should so, you? Yeah. Where a lot of the right. elders are. Well, absolutely not. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's a and big that's, like complacency point, too. Absolutely. One hundred percent. So um, it, it's it's like I, I keep saying, I really think that there's a really great foundation here. And I'm I'm really curious and mostly excited to see where it goes in that regard. But um, but what so as you know, you sound like, you know, some lore. Um, some, yeah. But but in terms of other characters, Obviously, I think we, we both loved Elrond. Who Love else him. popped for you in the sense of excited to see where they go next? I am, and we already alluded to her, I am not just, like, enthused by Disa. I love this woman. <laughs> I I want to be her roommate. Like, I think that she is so... And she's entirely original, right? There yes. is there even a vague princess that's alluded to? Not at all. So, yeah. So, as far as an original creation that, like, yeah, of course a prince would have a princess. Cool. Like, just do that. Yeah. Um, her ability to resonate, it's resonation that she talks about, resonating with the with the rocks and the with oars the and all that. Yeah. That conversation as a metaphor for listening and intuition and oneness with the world, which is so classically this mythology of, of listening to the actual realm around you. And we see a lot of that represented in different storylines. Um, like the Hardfoot storyline, but her ability to convey that in that conversation with Elrond, that all ends on that beat of love uh, of, well, if, you know, in a house like this and a house such as yours and everything. And, and the comedy there, that was great comedy, which I think is a strength of both trilogies and now this show and the 77 movie, like Lord of the Rings is when, when funny, it's like legit funny and in a really powerful way. And so I thought Disa was a, a standout debut for sure. Yeah, I think it, it, it stands in contrast to some of the Harfoot stuff, which I think they were striving for a similar balance, but wasn't always landing, but it mm-hmm. was landing. Per- like for me, this entire s- sequence, the character development is there without you having to s- just ex- exposition it out to everybody. The balance of heart and humor and drama is there the illusions, the metaphors are there. Like everything about that scene makes me hope for moving forward because I think Mm -hmm. it worked so well in that sense. You learn about these characters without them just spelling things out. And I love the idea that because Doran doesn't live as long as Elrond does, Elrond didn't even think that 
that that that that long that 20 years is is it's nothing and to doran is like you stupid elf like don't think like that you know And, and that to me is the important like that's the subtlety the idea that the elves are immortal means they view things differently but if they're going to be a part of middle earth they have to come to understand the other races around them but it's hard for them to do that because most of those races don't like them because generally speaking they're a little elitist they're a little exclusionist uppity from time to time you know so like that's that that's the the give and take and that's important to put out there now like the villagers disliking the elves so much because of their history and because of the 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 narrow vision and view that a lot of them have they're gonna have to put that aside when sauron comes back mm-hmm. will they put it aside will they follow him will they make a different choice will they change right. like right. having all of these divisions is important because as the first two episodes basically you know hammer down was Sauron's coming. Sauron's coming. I mean, like Galadriel's right. <laughs> like yeah. they, they were, they were making sure we understood that, like this is where we're going. And in every storyline, too. Like even the yeah. even Theo, Bronwyn's son, has exactly. his encounter with the Eye of Sauron, and the and Black Speech is coming through the the ambient sound and everything. Yeah. And and yeah, and having that all there, and will they be able to come together? And and, and if. there is somebody out there that this is their first Lord of the Rings thing, period. And so for them, they have no knowledge of the fact of what the last Alliance will be and things Mm -hmm. like that way, 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 way down the road. But it's interesting to see some of these players. So before I get into that next point, I just want to say um, Ken is Boromir right now. Uh, He was there at the start of the journey. He just went out, uh, but we're going to keep on going. Uh, He did have some technical issues. I just wanted to address that for video and podcast listeners. Um, We're going to keep going for 11, 12 minutes more um, talking about this. But Ken is like here in spirit. I just want everybody that's listening on podcast, especially to not wonder, did he fall asleep? Did he get (laughs) muted? No, he's he's okay. Uh, Just a technical thing. He's having a second breakfast, which honestly, I can't blame him. Second breakfast. He absolutely. uh, Ken would live a great Shire life for sure. Um, Now, Deesa's original, Arandir and Bronwyn are original, and we talked about some of your complicated feelings on this portrayal of Galadriel, which, you know, was nuanced, of course. I don't want anyone's takeaway to be like, Rachel nope. didn't like Galadriel. That's not, not true. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> some not people true are going to take that away from it, whatever. Yeah. Uh, I'm not interested yeah. in those people. Can't control like, those people, yeah. No. <laughs> not true. Uh, it's a nuanced take, but I am curious. Looking at Elrond, Gilgalad, people that are major players that were ad- adapted into this, Durin, um, who stuck out to you as like, wow, that's the closest to either what I wanted or what I expected, or that feels really right uh, in terms of any uh, texts that they might be relevant to? Yeah. No, for sure, Elrond is, I think Robert Aramayo is, is killing it. I, I, I see it. I see the young Hugo weaving Mm-hmm. in him and and see i can i can see the tr- trace the line in my mind from his portrayal to the elrond we know and again because i do know some of the lore like i understand the things that he has ahead of him and i also understand his background and yeah. these things will eventually play a part in the show so i don't want to say anything too specific for people that don't know that but i'm very excited because it felt the closest to what I had sort of expected. I, I've been on podcasts before and like, honestly, like Galadriel and Eowyn and Faramir, like those are my favorite Tolkien characters. However, mm. 
the most interesting Tolkien character from the his background all the way to his end is Elrond. Like, yeah. there's, in my mind, the stuff in the first age that leads up to his birth, who his parents are, how he got to be, where he is, his brother, I won't go into more detail than that. Yeah. Um, all, all of these things make him such a complicated and interesting character. And I really feel like the show is going to lean into that and explore that as he comes into his own. That by far was the best. Um, I was also, even though we didn't see a lot of him, was impressed with Celebrimbor Bohr mm. because again, I'll just say, it, I'm not sure if they're allowed to say it because of first age, second age, Silmarillion stuff, but Celebrimbor is the um, grandson, I believe it's the grandson of Feonair, the man he was talking about. Oh, so that's his, that's his by familial right. That is his family. And Mm. again, what they probably can't go too deep into is that Feonair and his sons actually committed some pretty atrocious crimes against other elves all in the name of an oath to recover the Silmarils from Morgoth at all costs. So mm-hmm. there is a dark background to Celebrimbor. And yeah. um, his family has, has, you know, this ambition to create beautiful things and be a part of nature. And that's all very elvish. But they have tended to take it too far in the yeah. past. And so the question is, will Celebrimbor continue to do that or not? And I felt that in his in his speech when he was talking. Oh, there's about a lot how, of uh, an the, air of hubris. Uh, yeah, and an air of I want to make my mark. My, mm-hmm. m- you know, my forefather created Silmarils that almost won over Morgoth. They were so beautiful. They were yeah. so special. You know, if he could do that, what can I do? Like that. That to me, that <laughs> whole conversation was another one of my favorite parts of the show. Really, I think is setting the stage in a really great way. Where I think people are going to like him, and people in and in the books and what people did. He he was a natural leader. People were drawn to him. His in, group of elves. They were called the Noldor. I don't know. Again, <laughs> included. I got to stop saying right. that. Um, right. No, no, no. I mean, it's it's, an, it's a valid right. point. They were that group of elves were closest to the dwarves because they liked creating things. So that speech Disa gives is actually something Celebrimbor would very much understand versus some of the other high elves that are much more attuned to uh, nature in the green sense versus yeah. like the rock sense, if you, if, if you want to yeah. boil it down. Um, and so they, they don't really understand each other. So that's a division within the elves. Yeah. Um, and that's Which I thought was really compelling, even if you're coming into this fresh or if you're coming into this uh, just as a, a fan of the two movie trilogies, yeah. somebody will be able to say, oh, he's more akin to my Legolas Tariel throughout the will, and right. this is more akin to these people. Yeah. And what I love about the, the Celebrimbor stuff is that it plays with it has it's one of those like successful moments of double intrigue if, if you're just watching this cold you're like that's a little bit self-centered as opposed to some of the other elves that we're seeing even not even in a, a malicious way but it's a it's a self-serving goal my legacy my mark my print on this world um yeah. versus somebody like gilgalad which is you know while we might condemn his choice because we're endeared to galadriel uh, and his actions of trying to maneuver her off the board we also see that as a realm choice and not a personal choice 
um, at least in this context. And so it's an interesting sort of line to draw between them. And with Elrond, one thing that I adored about uh, what they've included and, and sort of, what again, double intrigue of like how any bit of extra knowledge might change something. So if you do have a little bit of that Elrond backstory in your mind, you not only did his immortality affect his perception of time as a uh, friendship with Durin, we know the nature of his immortality, yeah. how he got it, how it was a choice, and how there's certain mm-hmm. it's, just, it's the drawbacks of choice. And I think which is a, a huge thing, of course, in any of these uh, good and evil tales. Now, before you know, we start to wind down. Just want to make sure that we hit everything. How are you feeling about some of the introductions of different? like mechanically locations using our map um this you know again not comparing it to a song of ice and fire shows got and house of the dragon but it is also doing that the story is not in the travel time let's right. go here let's go here kazi doom's close but it isn't it isn't a 20 minute drive close yeah. um so how, how did you feel about the way that we flowed from area to area to story to story again i think it was a little bit choppy and Episode one got better in episode two. I do like the map touch. I think that, you know, Game of Thrones did it with the opening credits. And Mm -hmm. I've always thought that that was a great way to do it for a fantasy series because people aren't naturally like, you know, you say somebody traveled from New York to California in a movie. Well, most people have a genuine idea what that means. (laughs) In a fantasy world, you know, it's harder to. So I, I liked the map. And I liked the idea that we're going to the different corners of Middle Earth and showing how different they are. Because, again, we're all talking about whether or not they'll be able to come together with the inevitable rise of a a new Dark Lord. So I think that, generally speaking, the look of the different areas was great and moving through them was well done. Um, I just think the, the editing choices sometimes, like staying too long in one place and versus another just the, the mm. writing and the flow was harder there's a couple it, jumps that are a little bit actually while while watching it and it was a galadriel scene so it extra made me think of you but it made me think of you as an award nominated editor there's one edit that i watched maybe six times because it puzzled me so much which is from the killing of the snow troll to then the meeting that happens right after right i was like are we in the same spot? What's going on? <laughs> the, 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 the troll, troll body's not there, but her sword is sheathed. So, a few minutes maybe. Did they drag the body? Out? Some things like that, where you're like, yeah, sometimes that's it, we're it, getting it, in, we're getting in, trying to roll. Yeah. But but the thing about it is, you know, we talked about the spiritual two part pilot that this really is. Honestly, I mean, unlike Game of Thrones, and this will be one of the only moments of comparison in good faith. That's not a knock on either. Um, is that Game of Thrones when that started? out of the gate, at least for the storylines that you were going to see that season, got them all in that pilot. We saw Essos, we saw the North, we saw everything that was going to be relevant. Um, even if we didn't see the wall, we had Benjen come in. And so it was all of those elements that have like complete board setting. We're on now going into the third and we're just now going to see a Numenorian with yeah. that tease at the end of the ship that's going to rescue Galadriel and, and Halbrand. So it's almost like I'm not going to say like it's a three-part pilot, but it is going to take its time and breathe, which is an interesting and refreshing thing, I think, for this. Not that the movies don't breathe. They are famously long. I don't know if everybody remembers. Um, But they can't just have a dinner conversation in the thick of it because that's not what the Fellowship story is. It's an on-the-move story. Mm -hmm. And as much as we stop is like establishing new locations um, like uh, Edoras, 
you know, and like having to show that is maybe as much as we slow in that. But here being able to say, no, we're going to stop for dinner. No, we're going to stop for somebody to talk about their work, to show their plans. Um, those are, uh, I think, special moments that are appreciated for sure. Yeah, I, I'm actually, I think introducing the Numenorians now is right because I keep using the word, there's a juxtaposition always happening. And so we've seen the the way men live in Middle Earth. And we've seen a couple different Elvish cultures and we've seen dwarves and we've seen Harfoots. Um, what now we're going to see the height of the realm of men, the, the three Adain families mm-hmm. were gifted this island and what they created with it. And it's going to be in sharp contrast to the villages and the type of men we've already seen. So or to I, the third age that people have known pop culturally. Right. I mean, it's your Rome comparison. But yeah. There's been a lot of like, you, people see the pictures of the scale male that the Numenorians have and different things. And there's been some criticism of, oh, that doesn't feel like my Rohan, my Gondor, my things I know. But the thing is, it shouldn't. It, shouldn't. Uh, yeah. it shouldn't at all. It's, it's right. an island nation. It's supposed to be of a different time. So mm-hmm. I'm really, really excited about that. And I'm excited to see sort of, um, I mean, the, the the men that would inform, because again, it's not a prequel to the Jackson trilogy, but it is a prequel to that mythological period. So it's like we see Halbrand, who's, this guy on the run from darkness where you can make the argument that Aragorn is a guy on the run from light, from destiny. There's an inverse there. And now if you're one of those people that loves the extended editions where you get to find out about Aragorn's age, you're about to see the people that give him that ability, you know, to live that long, to have some of those traits. So before we wind down, is there anything big or major that we haven't touched on uh, or or small that we haven't touched on that uh, is really exciting to you? I was curious, I know one of the characters that doesn't seem to be hitting with a lot of people is Arondir at this point. Oh, interesting. Um, And one of the things that is always, not I say always, like there's been a bunch of adaptations, there hasn't, but Mm -hmm. can potentially be full of difficulty for adaptations is the elves are not human. So... Sometimes in the stories, they try to, like, have them have human emotion, which they do, but to call it human emotion, it's elvish emotion. Like, they are often thought of as very staid and very emotionless. Mm -hmm. Um, That doesn't translate well in visual storytelling, I don't think. I think that Mm. people see this. And and that's what a lot of what Galadriel was doing. She did drop it when she was with Elrond, like you said. And those were moments where you find that you think that yeah. there are more layers. I haven't found Arendir has done that yet. And I feel like people are just not getting what, the why of him yet. Yeah, yeah. Which is interesting because I will say I effing love Arandir. Um And so that's, I'm, I'm interested that people are saying that, not in a bad way. I mean, they can dislike him or they can be trepidatious. That's totally fine. He's a new mm-hmm. character. Um, but I, what I loved about it is like you're saying, like the Elvis emotions, famously, you know, most people in the world's frame of reference for an elf is Legolas. And how it's, a, it's that three movie art of getting to the point of cracking a smile having a right friendship. yeah like that that's as far as he goes that's just you know like you know what about side by side with a friend is a right. huge thing that's character growth uh, yeah that's that admission 
Um, with Arandir, we can see the the torturedness of, of this thing with Bronwyn that they can't be public about, even though the other elves know, even though it's a rumor in the town. Um, he can't just come Secret in and... <laughs> yeah, exactly. He can't actually... And there's the, the precedents. They allude to these, right. these oh, yeah. older tales. That they, it's only been two elf um, females right. who've married elf uh, human men and... Neither of them ended. I mean... Yeah. The, I don't want to give yeah. away too much history. No, uh, for sure. But, but generally speaking, it's and and honestly, just logic says, why would how how would that work? Because one exactly. is mortal, the other one's going to die. You fall in exactly. love, you're going to see the person that you love die. Because and it's like yeah. you know, n- not to get into like weird logistical timeline questions, but he's been watching her area for 79 years. He's probably right. witnessed her entire existence. Right. Um, so that's unless he just you know missed her running around in the fields as, as a kid. Um, but he's been there. And what I liked about him, to put it in the terms of another fantasy franchise, is that Arundir is a Jedi. That was my big takeaway from him right off the bat, is that he's he's on guard, he's dutiful, he is taking orders from a council of sorts. In this case, it's a king, and and he, but he is wrestling with emotions and duty. He's wrestling with my place and what I've sworn to do and what I am and what wasn't decided for me in the same way that a Jedi is roped into it as a child and how that sort of uh, evolves into their role. And so I loved uh, seeing his sort of battle with finally making the choice of I've been called away to leave, but I'm going to be the one that dives in. Um, sometimes you have to defy something uh, something greater. In this case, the orders of Gilgalad and Gilgalad saying, we have peace. There's nothing wrong here. We have peace. Stop asking questions. Uh, which was, he's already become a very uh, meme-worthy character uh, for those reasons. And uh, I thought that that was really interesting. So um, unless there's anything that you want to throw in, do you uh, want to let everybody that. know? Yeah. yeah, I feel like we've, we've, we said it all. Like, it's not perfect. Yeah. And I don't think for for necessarily for loreheads or for just straight up watchers, but they got a lot right. And Mm. I am very hopeful for where they go from here. I think that these actors will have lived in these characters a little bit more. I hope the writing gets maybe slightly more nuanced in the vein of more scenes along the lines of the dinner um, in Kazadum. And I feel like the... If it, even though it was a rough start, the pieces are set, and I'm encouraged to see how it goes from here. Um, not 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 a home run, but um, but still, there's just. I mean, we're back in Middle Earth, and yeah. I can't not it's be big. very very excited about that, and excited to see more of Tolkien's ideas brought to life, and maybe differently than he initially thought, but still in the same thematic important ways the reasons he was writing about these characters the core is still what he wanted um and i can't be mad at the end of the day that they decided to make galadriel like a badass commander of armies like maybe not quite true to the book but at the same time can't hate it Um, it's like stands to reason that could have happened then that's the you know to put her in that active role that transition to the lady of lorian that we'll see I'm Later very on. excited to see that transition. I think that's what yeah. this series is going to do. It's, it's very, very exciting. And I agree with so much of that. And I'm so excited to be back. 
It's a feeling we haven't had since uh, Unexpected Journey. Um, it's a feeling that I've been missing. And, um, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a prequels kid in a Star Wars sense. So I will always be endeared to the idea of a prequel because I've seen them get unfair hate. Um, I have also lived through things like Crimes of Grindelwald. So sometimes. sometimes. <laughs> um, but uh, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you uh, on the Internet talking about this and where they can direct their well-reasoned and kind questions. Um, yes. About <laughs> Please reach out uh, Twitter or Instagram <laughs> at Rachel Cushing Levine, all one word. Um, I am I'm a, a Tolkien geek. Y'all know that. And I'm excited to keep uh, chatting about this whole world in this new show. Absolutely. And as for me, you can find me personally at that Alden Diaz, T-H-A-T-A-L-D-E-N-D-I-A-Z, talking Star Wars on Octa Radio here at Casterly Talk, covering House of the Dragon, covering the Rings of Power as they go. Rachel will, of course, be back. Um, bonus points if you send her your questions in Elvish. I'm sure she can read it. Uh, Ken is over in Valinor, Valinor right now, uh, enjoying uh, his uh, forever retirement. So he's gone forever. You're never going to see him again. Um, so we hope you enjoyed Casually Talk because uh, it's my show now. I'm Sauron. <laughs> uh, I'm kidding. Uh, we love Ken and he will be back eventually. But for right now, we're going to close things out. Everybody, be as kind as Disa is to her dinner guests. And we'll catch you next time. <laughs> <laughs>